Welcome to Bible Line, a ministry of Calvary Community Church. Our podcast is dedicated to the clear teaching of God's Word. We aim to help people find Jesus Christ and train believers through the study of the Bible. We would love to feature your questions on the show. You can email us at questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to calvaryoftampa.org forward slash donate. Catch new episodes every Thursday. We pray today's episode is a blessing to you. I'm so blessed to be able to be in a faith like this. You know, I was reading Josh McDowell's new evidence that demands a verdict. And for those of you who are not familiar with that book, it was the idea, uh, the, the whole point of uh, Josh McDowell was to disprove uh, the faith of Christianity. And he was under the belief that if he could disprove the resurrection, then he would have Christianity dead in the water. And he was sought out, and he went, and he studied, and he used his uh, law knowledge to disprove the resurrection, and he came out a believer. Because he saw in the light of overwhelming evidence that does demand a verdict that the resurrection is everything. And that's what we are going to study today. And I am so glad that we don't worship a Savior who really said beautiful things, but his body is rotting in the ground. I believe that he has ascended on high. And as Mr. Gilbert said, go get him. That's the next, the next thing that we're waiting for. And isn't it encouraging to look at life's circumstances and the difficulties and the trials and the hardships and say there is something greater than all these? There's really nothing in the world like that. You go on vacation, you have to come back, and you have work to do because you went on vacation. You go and buy something nice for yourself, well, that becomes the old thing, and the new thing is needing to be purchased. If we put our joy in our houses and our cars and our land, I mean, we're not taking those things with us. We came into this world naked with nothing, and the only thing we can leave with is Jesus Christ. And it really comes down to what have we done with this resurrection as Christians? Those of you who are in the audience today who know that you are going to heaven because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, what do we do with that news? And for those of you that are here today who are not sure, you may ask yourself, I don't know if I am on my way to heaven. Well, I want to share how you can know, and it is a very simple illustration. I want all the attention up here for just a moment as I explain this, because without an understanding of this gospel message, you won't understand the resurrection. The resurrection changed the lives of the apostles. Peter, the one who denied the Lord three times in the presence of questioning from a young girl, was now on fire because he's just seen Jesus. And he walked with him and he spoke with him. And so it's important to understand why is the resurrection so crucial to our faith. Why is it the the hinge point for what we believe? Well, look up here. This hand represents you, me, and everyone in the entire world. And this wallet will represent sin. I'm going to put this on top of my hand because the Bible very clearly says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Friend, I don't need to ask, and you already know, you are a sinner. I am a sinner. Oh, you're the pastor of a church. I'm just a sinner. I have this sin on me. It is important to recognize that this sin is on every single person who is ever born into the world. Regardless of how good they may appear or how well intended they are with their actions and the way they live their life, they have sin. And this sin 
We can't just turn it over to pay it. We can't open it inside out and show it in a different way. We can't take anything within here and make payment for it. There is a death payment that is required for this sin. Listen closely as I say this. Somebody has to die for this sin. The Bible says that the wages, the payment for this sin, is an eternal separation from God forever in a place called hell. It's interesting, before we move on, if you understand the word death, it means separation. When you and I leave this body here, it is our soul dying, separating from our body. And that soul will go on into eternity. And those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and they have been given the forgiveness of sin, they will have eternal life in a place called heaven. And those who have not accepted Jesus Christ's payment for their sin will be lost forever in a place called hell. And that is, as the Bible describes, the second death. This is a very real death that is facing people all over the world today. People will die today. And people will die and end up spending an eternity in hell because they have not believed on Jesus Christ. But that is the fact. We're all sinners and we have a death payment. Another fact that's very sobering is that heaven is a perfect place. It is not a really, really good place with that one weird uh, you know, corner. Uh, it's not that uh, really, really awesome place, but it could be better. This is the greatest place because it is perfection. There is no sin there. We can't just take a little corner of this wallet and say, oh, well, I paid all that except this. Friend, you have to be perfect to get to heaven. And none of us are. We all have sin. That's why the illustration is this way. Now, world religions, there are people that are going to church today and thinking that they are taking the marker of their actions and putting on the whiteboard of their life, good work, one. And then when they sin, bad work, one. And they believe because of what the world teaches them and because of the, the craftiness of the devil who hates your soul, they are deceived into thinking that God, because He is just, will weigh out all of our good deeds in the light of our bad deeds. And just as we would uh, do today when we're weighing something, if it outweighs the other, that one goes on. If the other outweighs the other, then that is the one that's selected. If you've done enough good works, you're going to heaven. If you've done enough bad works that outweigh the good works, well, I'm sorry, you're going to hell. Friend, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. The Bible tells us that not of works, lest any man should boast. Let's look at that for a second. Not of works, lest any man should boast. What does that mean? Well, it means that if a man could remove this sin from his own account by himself, then he would be able to stand alongside Jesus Christ and say that he has perfected his sin. It's impossible. There's going to be no room for boasting. Jesus Christ paid it all because he's the only one that could do it. Amen? Amen. There is no second one. There is not other people that could do the same thing that he did. He was fully God and he was fully man and he died for the sin of the world. Salvation is by grace. Getting what we do not deserve. Unmerited favor. This hand represents Jesus Christ. And I mean that reverently. He was perfect. He had no sin. He was fully God and he was fully man. And he lived a life of 33 years in absolute perfection. We studied last week how that it pleased the Father to bruise His Son who became sin for us. Jesus, the One who knew no sin, became sin for us. Remember how I told you somebody has to die? Jesus endured the wrath of God, literally becoming the thing that He despises to make that death payment that you and I could never make. 
Now, there may be some in the audience today who you have heard this before. You've heard about Jesus Christ. You understand that, yes, He died on the cross. Yes, He rose from the grave. But you maybe didn't understand why. And in the greatest verse, I think, that is contained in Scripture, and if you're under my preaching enough, you know that my favorite book changes every sermon. (laughs) But the book of John, chapter 3 and verse 16, just so beautifully describes the greatest transaction that was ever made for God. So love the world. That's you and me. And He gave His only begotten Son. That's Jesus Christ. That whosoever, even those of you who are here on April 4th, 2021 at Calvary Community Church, whosoever, get this, believeth in Him. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's two great truths there. Number one, to receive the payment for sin, all you have to do is believe. I move the wallet off of the hand that represents the sinner and put it onto Christ because that is exactly what happened on the cross. And when he cried out, it is finished, he made a payment for that sin. He was buried and he came back three days later to prove that that payment was accepted, that he was who he claimed to be. And then he ascended on high and gave down the Holy Ghost as he said it was going to come. And it filled the apostles. And they went out and changed the world. It is thousands of years later. And we still talk about that man named Jesus. But none of that is good news to you if you do not believe. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The second thing I want you to see there is not simply that it is by faith only, by simply believing on Christ. Number two, it's a certain kind of life. If I told you I had an everlasting stick of gum, would you believe me as I handed you a piece of juicy fruit? You'd say, this pastor thinks everlasting means 30 seconds. (laughs) We're not talking about something this world can give us. God doesn't deal in the temporal. He deals in the eternal. And He said, all those that will believe that My Son has paid for their sins and come back from the dead, I will give to them the honor of becoming My child. They have an eternal inheritance. They have everlasting life. I have everlasting life right now because of what 1 John 5.13 promises to me because I have believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. These things have I written unto you that believe on the, only, on, the, on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have. I like that. Know that you have. You know, when I was in elementary school, I ran the K-N-O-W show. And my job was to take a little puppet fingers and, you know, do this and, and somebody would talk and this little tiger would tell us what you can K-N-O-W. You can K-N-O-W the recess schedule today. This is what's for lunch. Here's when the Scholastic Book Fair is happening so you can hound your parents for money. I was able to tell people what they could know. The Bible uses the same word. What does that verse say that you can know that you have? Friend, it's eternal life. And that is why we smile. And that is why we come and meet every, you know, three times a week here. Because we know that a person can have eternal life. But if you're here today and you have not believed on that message, you can get saved right now. I'm not going to have an altar call. or I can ask you to come down and, and, and show us that you really want to be saved. You can believe right where you're sitting. 
Dare I say this message is unique in churches around America today? Dare I say that the resurrection will be spoken of, but it will be beating around the bush in many pulpits in American churches today? The message that I just quoted you with Scripture is God's message to you. You want to get saved? You want to get born again? You want to receive the Holy Ghost? You can do all those things by just simply believing on the death, burial, and resurrection of the living Lord Jesus Christ. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed, please. This is not the end of the message. I want to give an invitation. For those of you who are here today and you are not assured of your salvation, you don't know where you're going to go when you die. I pray that you have heard those verses that I read to you and seen the illustration with the wallet. I pray that those of you who are here today and you did not know where you were going to go when you die, that you will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ right where you sit. I ask for heads bowed and eyes closed just for, for privacy. But is there anyone at all that would say by an uplifted hand, Pastor Jesse, today I believed on Jesus Christ. I believed on His death, His burial, and His resurrection. If you would just raise your hand and let me know, that doesn't save you. It just lets me know that the verses that were presented made sense to you and that you'll believe on Him for the first time today. Is there anyone at all? Praise God. I see you. Anyone else? Join me in prayer. Father, I pray for the one that is indicated by an uplifted hand that he has believed on you. The resurrection has power even today. And we welcome uh, a young person into the family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and go to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. The title of my message today is The Resurrection is Everything. And the first thing I want to look at is the promise that was kept. Now, for the sake of time, we won't be able to look at every single time that Jesus said He was going to die and He was going to rise again on the, th- on the third day. But I wanted to look at one in particular in the Gospel of John. John chapter 2. I want you to look here in verse 17. John chapter 2 and verse 17. And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now he was in the temple when he said this. This was his first cleansing of the temple. And he makes a very bold claim. And he's speaking cryptically here, and you can see by the response in verse 20, then, the, then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? And this is what you need to note of. As Jesus said in verse 19, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. He said in verse 21, Through this author, he says, But he spake of the temple of his body. Now if you had a friend that was walking around and saying that his body would be destroyed and then in three days he would raise himself back up, you would no longer be associated with that friend because you would check him into some type of facility to check if everything was all right upstairs. In fact, the claim of the resurrection that Jesus has made here is the boldest claim that has ever been made in history. No one has risen back from the dead. There are stories of people that have 
died on the operating table, but they have not brought themselves back on their own power. I tend to question those stories, but that's another thing for another day. What Jesus is saying here is a very, very powerful statement. In essence, if he was able to accomplish this, he truly would be God in the flesh with the power over life and the power over death. Now, our culture today wants to normalize that. They want to normalize people rising from the dead. So in our movies, we see it. We see when our favorite character is killed off somehow, they come back. I mean, it's all over things that are being pushed on young kids with superheroes. And it can be very dangerous because it just makes Jesus, well, just kind of like somebody else. Maybe it was an alternate timeline Jesus. Friend, let's not play around. Jesus said here, I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. Look at verse 23 excuse me, uh, verse 22. When therefore he was risen from the dead, when it happened, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. He came back and did exactly what he said he was going to do. The promise kept, it's made here, but I want you to look in the same book, John, and I want you to go to chapter 10. John chapter 10, look in verses 17 through 18. John chapter 10, verse 17 on page 1129 in a church-loaned Bible. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down And I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Wow. Bold statement. Again, imagine your best friend coming over for dinner and making a statement like this. You'd say it's blasphemous. You'd say he's lost his mind. But Jesus doesn't beat around the bush here. He says exactly what he has the power to do. Now look in Matthew, over to your left. Matthew in chapter 28. As you're turning there on on page 1043, I just want to remind you of what we spoke on last week. Last week, we spoke on the death of Christ and how that was necessary, how that he was brought before a council and determined to be guilty in the fakest trial you've ever seen. I mean, the acting was on performance. These Pharisees were literally pulling their clothes apart and they were howling at the sky at the blasphemy that Jesus never committed. And then they put him before Herod, and Herod bounced him back to Pilate, and Pilate bounced him back to Herod, and they became great friends over this persecution of this king of the Jews, Jesus Christ. And then it was put to the Jews who they would choose to have crucified before the Passover, and they screamed out, crucify him, crucify him, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. Friend, that's more than just human there. I think that's demonic. And... Barabbas, the convicted criminal, was let go. And Jesus was brought in and he was beaten. And I don't mean that he was beaten with a stick, maybe like you and I have experienced when we have disobeyed as a child. He was flayed open. Strings of flesh hung from his back. He bled out. He was buffeted. A very strong word for a strike against his face. The guards taunted him and said, If you be the Son of God, tell us who striketh you. 
And as Isaiah 53 said, he was as a lamb before the slaughter, dumb. Not without knowledge, but he did not speak. Because even in the striking and the whipping and the beating and the carrying of the cross, every single person's sin was about to be laid on him. And just a few hours before, we saw how in the garden he said, if there be any way for this cup to pass from me, let it be so. But if not, not my will, but thine. And I gave you the illustration of all of us having our own cup of filthy poisonous sin and Jesus having his cup without anything in it and receiving our sin and ingesting it over and over and over for the billions of people that ever would live. He took on all their sin. How he got there on that cross, how they gambled for his garments. Just as Psalms 22 said they would. How he cried out, My father, my father, why hast thou forsaken me? As the wrath of God turned on his one and only son. And it wasn't with a tear in his eye that God struck his son. He says that it pleased him that he would become sin for us. All of that hot wrath of God poured out on this perfect man, Jesus Christ. They had an agreement to this before. Before the foundation of the world, he was always going to be the lamb slain. And he was that lamb slain, whether you believe it or not. And this is where I see the beauty of God's love, that even in a world that has said he is dead and science is now crowned as the new God, and even in where we can play games with what we want to identify as and how we want to study and all these different things, friend, even in the arrogance of this world, God still, through, the, through his son Jesus Christ, took on all sin for all men. As Paul says, he is all things to all men that he might save some, because not everyone will believe. You know the story well. You know how he cried out, it is finished. That beautiful accounting term, totelestai, which means paid in full. Amen. Doesn't, he, didn't, he didn't make the first three payments for you. He paid it all. Aren't you glad? Amen. And on Wednesday, we came in, and we remember Good Wednesday. I believe that the Lord was uh, put in the grave on Wednesday. That would fulfill the cycle that, that would need to be fulfilled for three days and three nights. And I believe He rose actually last night. And guess what? He indeed did rise. And because He has risen, those claims were not just the claims of a madman. <laughs> they were the claims of God in the flesh. And we know that because we see how the apostles acted. We see how they were just ignited with passion and desire, willing to be crucified themselves for that message. Amen. As Jay read in our Scripture so eloquently today, and as we will look on later, over 500 people at once saw Him. We're not talking about a mass hallucination. The world wants to tell you that. The world wants to tell you this is just a fairy tale. I mean, there were other Egyptian gods that did the same thing. If you study that claim, it's not true. There's not an ounce of truth in it. But this account here, these 10 verses that we will look at, describe the resurrection scene. Let's look. Matthew chapter 28. Start with me there in verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, it began to dawn... Toward the first day of the week came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance, his face, 
was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angels answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, you should mark that. As he said, John 10, 17 through 18, as he said he would, he has done it. Continue on there in verse 7. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great what? Look, they know what they just saw. Okay? Two very powerful angels sitting, telling them this good news. But they didn't let that fear stop them. They had something else. Great joy. Do you have great joy because of your salvation? I mean, honestly, do you have great joy? Or is it something that is hung up on the entertainment center that we look at and we're thankful for? But we really don't live in that joy. Friend, it can happen. Your temptations and all of the trials and difficulties of life, if you're not careful, you can view them as a vine crawling up your body, getting around your neck and slowly enclosing until you can't breathe. You just become overcome in it. But James tells us to count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. And we're not talking about mermaids. We're talking about multiple temptations. Count it all joy when your body fails you. Count it all joy when you are persecuted by the ones that you love. Count it all joy when you're in financial hardship. Count it all joy when the churches are closed. This time last year, you couldn't come here. Look where we are now. We take it for granted. We wake up this morning and think, well, I might go to church. You should go as long as you can. As long as you can. Because we don't know how long we've got left to do this thing called church. There are people in foreign countries today meeting in churches underground for fear of their lives. You should hear how they sing songs. You should hear how they worship. It's different. And they're persecuted for their faith. But it all wouldn't matter if Jesus was still in the grave. It wouldn't matter at all. Why not worship Buddha? Or Muhammad? Or Confucian? Sorry, Confucius. (laughs) Why not worship yourself? Some of you, I'm sure you've, you've seen those new sneakers going around. Let me tell you, the Church of Satan commented on that. Very interesting what they said. They said, we here at the Church of Satan don't worship Satan the person. (laughs) Okay. They say, we worship the idea of what Satan pushed. I will be like the Most High. And they praised this young man who was deceived. They praised his act of crowning himself as Satan. Because in the end, the Church of Satan, I'm quoting directly, We are all our own God's friend. Can you not see the comparison of Genesis? Does God really say? Did God really say that? Satan twists and he maligns and he marginalizes and he takes that truth. You'd think he'd works at Auntie Anne's pretzels in the mall 
and He gives you some new form of the truth. And if we're not careful, we grab the mustard and eat that thing up. It's true. But because of the resurrection of Christ, we have something to look forward to. We have three things to look forward to. Look in John 11. John 11. We're going to move quickly here, so stay with me. The book of John, chapter 11. We're going to look in verses 25 through 26. Lazarus has died. There is weeping. It is sad. And Jesus tells this to Martha. John chapter 11 in verses 25 through 26. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this, friend, if you're here today, and you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. Because you have believed on the resurrection, you have believed on God's only Son, and He had the power to lay His life down, and He brought that power back, and He raised Himself up so that you and I can have assurance that what He said was true. Now, the question is to the world, will you believe it? Look how patient God is. I want to tell you a story of what I experienced in my life. I've experienced so many times people on their deathbed that have lived a life in rebellion to God and sour Christians looking at them saying they're going to get what they deserve. And then in the death throes, in the last days of their life, they believe. And those same sour Christians don't like it. Praise God for His patience and glory that He gives people as long as He can for them to believe. And if our attitude is, well, that's just not fair. Friend, if that's not fair, then neither is your salvation. If salvation is by grace, then it cannot be by works. We can't mix these things together. Say I offer you a drink and I say it's 99.9999999% water and a little bit arsenic. You taking that down? No, it's poisoned. Just like the gospel is with grace versus works. We should rejoice as the angels rejoice for one sinner that has a change of mind. And this is the news that is in the resurrection. I have seen in my own family people on their deathbed believing a certain way for their whole life. And yet three days before they pass, they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then after that three days, they're gone. Wow. I want to believe in a gospel like that. That's a gospel that saves. The only point of no return is when you die without believing. And as this verse says, look at verse 26. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never be separated, shall never die. Believest thou this? There's the question I ask you today. Do you believe that? Friend, I believe it. I've gotten emails before. Too many personal stories. This guy is really, really cocky. Well, you know what? You look pat, first of all. Anyway, I won't. We'll stop there. Second of all, I don't have any pride and arrogance up here. The only confidence I have is in those two verses right there. Amen. How could you not? How could you not? This is why I think Jesus says that lukewarm Christians make him want to vomit. Be hot or be cold. Do something or do nothing, but don't be... (laughs) Well, Well, because he lives... 
Let's see if that place is open for lunch. I can face tomorrow. Yep. Oh, they're closed. Because of them. Oh, we sing. That's why we stood on that last verse. That's why you were moved to tears when Tracy sang and when Lucia and I sang, because of the truth that is contained within those songs. We don't have those songs if they're not based off of truth. Amen. Aren't you glad? I'm glad. So number one, you get life after death. There's more. Look in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 11. Page 1201. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says this. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, which we know it is by Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, after you believe you're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, if you've got that, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Friend, when we die, we're going back in the grave. But our soul is, as the Apostle Paul says, absent from the body and present with the Lord. There ain't no purgatory. There's no payment that needs to be made after you have died. If you've died in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, you will live forever. I'm going to live until I die, and then I'm going to live forever. Amen, right? Amen. Amen. Number two, there's no imputation of sin. That word imputation is a beautiful word. It means put to the charge of, put to, to place something, to lay against somebody. Look in Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. This is what the resurrection gives us. Meet me there in verse 5. Romans 4 verse 5 on page 1196. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Notice here the three things. To him that worketh not, but believeth. Believing is not a work. Don't let somebody twist you into thinking that believing is a work. Oh, well, you say all you must do. Well, look at you, you semantic warrior. Guess what? This says right here that believing is not a work. And those that believe, the second part here, on him he does something. He justifies the ungodly. Raise your hand if you're an ungodly sinner. Every hand should be up. And if you're not, I'd like to meet with you later. But he justifieth the ungodly. And number three here, because of that, his faith is counted for righteousness. You have the righteousness of God on you when you simply believe on his son, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Look in verse eight. Blessed. You know what that word blessed means? Happy is the man to whom the Lord will not lay to their account, lay against, charge, impute, sin. Verses 24 through 25. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who has delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Well, the resurrection doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Just as much as the virgin birth matters, there are prominent Bible teachers out there today that are indwelling your TV set, and they'll say heinous, heretical, blasphemous things like, Jesus wasn't born of a virgin. Friend, if Jesus was not born of a virgin, then you might as well trust in your daddy to get you to heaven, or your mommy, or your sister, or your brother. He did not have a sin nature. He had a human nature. He was fully God and fully man, but the devil, he is alive and well, attacking the fundamental teachings 
of the cross. Because if Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, then he had a sin nature, as we see in Romans 5. All that are born into the world are born under sin. Well, Jesus would have exactly had a sin nature as well. And people like to say, well, Jesus just, he lived spiritually. That's a lie. It's a lie. I reject it. You should reject it. Because Hebrew 10 tells us, a body hast thou prepared. Sacrifices and offerings I have no pleasure in. A body thou hast prepared for me. Do you know the only thing? Get this. The only thing on Jesus Christ's perfect, resurrected, eternal body that remains are the scars on his hands. Mm. Forever a beautiful reminder of what was accomplished on Calvary. And he is raised up from the dead. You know what the prevailing theory is right now amongst the Jewish community? The disciples stole that body. Matthew tells us that that's what was, they were paid to say. And Gamaliel had a real big problem with uh, the council's readiness to kill these apostles. Because there were other leaders that were saying similar things and they had a following, but when that leader died, the guy stayed dead. And the rest of the people were like, well... I guess that was not real. But Jesus came back, and they could not deny that these apostles were doing miracles that God had given them the ability to do. And Gamaliel said, if this is of God, we ought not be against it. And the council said, yeah! And then they beat the apostles. You know why? Because Jesus Christ's resurrection is a threat to all those works-based religions out there. It's a threat. What? I don't, I don't need this program? The Church of Mormon? I don't need these magical underwear? I don't. <laughs> On a more serious note, the Catholic Church, I don't need Mass. Friend, there's Mass held every day. And there are people that are held under the clutches of Mass because they think, if I die today, at least I've done Mass. Mass does not save. Jesus Christ and Him alone is what saves. And I have run into many Catholic people being here in the Tampa Bay area. And I don't smite them in their lack of knowledge. I try to win them. Because they're so close. They're so close to the truth. It's even on their lips. But they have not believed. Look in the, the book of Acts. The book of Acts. We're still talking about no imputation of sin here. Acts chapter 13 in verses 29 through 30. This is the end of Paul's sermon here. And if you study the book of Acts, you see it starts and ends with the resurrection, friend. Paul did not get his head cut off for a dead Savior. He saw Him. He is risen indeed. And Paul was moved by that, and he saw the connection of how Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament, and he turned from a person who was a terrorist to the church, someone who was persecuting the church, to their greatest advocate, in fact, Ananias, the one who Paul was supposed to lodge with, uh, said to the Lord, as the Lord said, I'm sending you Saul, he said, uh, hang on a sec, you know who that is, right? You, um, this guy who persecutes the church? Wow. How many churches, you think, looked at Paul coming in and they had fear, and when, they, when he left, they had tears? They had tears because they loved that man, and they saw what the Lord had done through him. But look in verses 29 through 30. Or excuse me, yeah, 29 through 30. 
And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in the sepulcher. But God, I like those two words. You should do a Bible study in the New Testament of how many times you see, but God. But God raised him from the dead. It didn't end in his death. He rose again, verses 38 and 39. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him, mark it, score it, take it to the bank, they'll cash it. All that believe are justified from all things. Boy, I like that word, don't you? All things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. This caused no small stir. In fact, when Paul came back to the church of Jerusalem, James was saying, hey, you know, there's some, you're saying some strong things. Amen. Because there are people who are trusting in their works, but none of it matters if he's in the grave. Do you understand that, Jesse? You've said that a thousand times. I know. It's not because I'm running out of material. It's because it's true. And you know what? I want to see Christians live like it's true. I see more Facebook wars happening than real conversations with people. And it drives me nuts. I can't tell you how many times, those of you who have an iPhone, I hold down that silly little app and wait till it jiggles and I see that, that little X and I just, bloop, get out of here. I don't even want to see it. There's so much trash and filth. There's a, there's a horrible article out there by the New York Times like, why did Jesus still have the marks in his hands? And it's just absolute blech. People look at this and they say, no, fairy tales, there's no truth in here, so let's make up our own thing. You and I need to really be challenged by the, by the truth of the resurrection. What it gives to you and me in our new life. Old things have passed away. That's not talking about your habits. That's talking about the sin that was laid against your account has passed away. All things have become new. You have a new nature now. What are you going to do with that, friend? Is Jesus risen or is he not? Christians ought to be the happiest people in the world. But most of the time, we're just, you think our, 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 our belt is just way too tight. Way too tight. As Dr. Arnold would say, they got baptized in lemon juice. <laughs> it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. And guess what? Sometimes we wake up and we act like he's still dead. It ought not be that way. Last passage we'll look at here before we have communion. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 16 through 22. We're going to look at these quickly, but we're going to also take time to point out the important parts. Friend, let me tell you something. When I first started learning about the Bible, I was blessed to be here at Calvary Community Church of Tampa under, unbeknownst to me, a titan of the faith in Dr. Hank Lindstrom. I listened to his tapes frequently. And then this ministry was blessed to have another titan of the faith who is still among us today, who we should pray for and honor regularly, and Dr. Arnold, who came here, and I don't, I, I don't think he planned on being here long. <laughs> 11 years later. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he couldn't retire if he tried. We were not trying to let him go. <laughs> He came and he made the same dedication to the same gospel message. It was through that that the Lord brought me up. And I am in no means a titan in the faith. I am just somebody who simply wants the word to speak for itself. 
And oftentimes, I would sit in my office and think, what am I going to talk about? And the Lord is always leading me to some way about the gospel. And that's, that's a common knock against our church, and it ought not be, but it is. We only know the wallet in John 3.16. Well, praise God, because all the knowledge by Christians out there are not going to save anybody. They're not going to lead anybody to heaven. It's either all gospel or it's all garbage. Write that down. <laughs> Verse 16, 1 Corinthians 15. Look at what this tells us here. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ not raised. Ooh. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are in your sins. He's drawing a comparison here. He just talked about how over 500 brethren saw them at once and how Christ indeed was risen as, as uh, Paul had said to them that he was. Verse 18, Then they which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. All of your loved ones who have died are just dead. There is no hope for them. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, a dead Christ, we are of all men most miserable. What a profound statement of Christianity if Jesus was still dead. <laughs> Ooh, look at verse 20. But, but what? Now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept, the first one to come back? And if you and I were to die before the rapture, we're going to be a part of that fruit. We're going to come back. But he did it first. He is preeminent. He is the head of the church as he will be forever. And we are his bride. And there is hope. Not a, oh, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. A joyful anticipation. I know, I know. Hello. Look at verse 21. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead, because Jesus was fully God and fully man. By man came death, Adam and Eve sinning in the garden. By man also, that second Adam, came resurrection. Y'all aren't excited about this. No, I know you are. We're just not very charismatic here at Calvary. And I understand Look at verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall what? All be made alive. Thank you for listening to today's episode. As a thank you to our listeners, we want to give away a free Bible every month this year. To enter, send us an email with your Bible question. Our email address is questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. Be sure to subscribe to the show and check back each Thursday for new episodes. Until next time, keep looking up. Jesus is coming soon.